the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside my co-host Brian Fromm. It's Friday. We are so glad you're with us, Brian. You got any big uh, weekend plans? I do not, which I'm excited about. It's so nice. It's a very not normal to have. weekend for yeah, me. I do. Nice How about yourself? I am. Uh, my parents are coming in town for the weekend. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so picking them up from the airport. And that should be exciting. That's what we have going on this weekend. Mm-hmm. An airport drive, picking up the old parents. Um, speaking of parents, some of our parents of a certain generation and a certain area of the country came to Jesus through something called the Jesus Revolution. Now, this was not my parents. My parents would have Mine been either. like, no, 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 we are not <laughs> part of the Jesus Revolution. But I have some Friends who live in Southern California, a little bit older, who came to Christ during the Jesus Revolution. And and what I know about the basically Jesus Revolution or Jesus movement, it was sort of like back in the days in the 70s and late 60s when, you know, hippies were happening. Right. And people were experimenting with drugs and were into different religions and were labeled flower children and were protesting and that kind of thing. Really, this um, group of people in Southern California found Jesus. And so kind of this alternative to like the more formal, more stuffy church folk at the same time. This was like an alternative anti-establishment movement towards Christ. Mm -hmm. And and some people are saying this like was one of the biggest spiritual awakenings our country has ever had. That's right. Um, did you know there's a movie being made about I, it starring Kelsey Grammer? I did not know it until uh, our producer shared the clip with us. And uh, yes, Kelsey Grammer, everyone know him as Frasier. Yes. Uh, but I also think what's fascinating about this, Aubrey, is that it's it's basically produced by and tells the story of Greg Laurie. Uh, yeah, who's here on the station, right? He is on the station, uh, part of the team, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. But also he is... Um, He's turned into one of the great evangelists of our time, one of the great, you know, big event type of pastors. And this is a little bit of his story and the Jesus revolution in which, like you said, it it has a footloose feel to it. Yeah, it kind of does. It's got some truth to it. And the pastor, you know, not to bring too much out of it, but the pastor who's Kelsey Grammer in here is kind of confronted with, do we accept these hippies? Right. Or do we shun them? Yeah. And what do you do with it? It becomes a very gospel question. There. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting, especially in 2023, to think about what does the church look like. But I wanted us to play a little clip from the preview for the movie. It's called Jesus Revolution. And then we'll have a conversation about it. So let's take a listen. I'd like you to meet my new friends. Welcome. They don't belong here. Half of them aren't even wearing shoes. They're staining the new shag carpet. They need our help. 
If you feel like you're misunderstood and judged, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. That was awesome. Now that door is open any time of day. And if there are some who don't like that, well then that door works both ways. All right, Pastor, let's begin. I was almost done with this. I think you did what nobody else would even dare. This thing that we found, I feel like I belong. You're going to need a bigger church. Our country is a dark and divided place, but now there's hope and it's spreading. This is your home and I want you to tell all your friends about it. I mean, this is that. This looks like actually a really cool movie. I hope they honor Jesus in it. But yeah, it, it seems like they are. It is interesting. There was a lot of music that came out of the Jesus Revolution. Uh, we've inherited, I think, a lot of the Jesus Revolution as well. But uh, I, the ongoing question, I think, is still the same question today. Like, who does the church open its doors Mm -hmm. to and who does the church close its doors to? Who gets let in and who doesn't? And is it these sort of on the fringe movements where God is at work? I'm fascinated to watch this and to see how it impacts how we think about the church today. Yeah, because it's a it is the question so many of us wrestle with, right? It's not Oh, you know, maybe this type of person or this. It's mm-hmm. it's like literally can people who've been raised up, you know, more fundamentalist and are more, you know, wear suit to church, this or that. Can they come alongside in this movie, right? Barefoot hippies who are yeah. open to Jesus and vice versa. Uh-huh. Can the barefoot hippies of this movie yeah. respect and understand and be community with? Because a lot of times it's like, oh, you older people, you have to accept this. But it does flow both ways. And so this was what spurred the Jesus revolution. But we still have these today. Mm-hmm. Like, how do people of different ages and races and um, outlooks on life and all this stuff, can they worship together or is that not possible? I think the other thing that's kind of interesting to think about, yes, can they worship together? Is that not possible? Um, the, you know, the Jesus movement. From what I understand, about half of the people, um, you know, we've got Japuza in downtown Chicago, mm-hmm. Jesus People USA, who sort of live uh, communally. Monast- yeah, uh, communally. I was going to say monastically. That's not the word I'm looking for. Communally and like separated from yeah. the rest of culture. Um, but then other folks from the Jesus movement really got involved in Calvary Chapel, really got involved in like the vineyard yep. churches and some other um some other Christian groups. And what's interesting though is, and I'm interested to see if the movie explores this, that a lot of, I think what probably you and I inheriting church plans, like a little more casual, a little more low church worship, a mm-hmm. little more laid back right. people wearing what they want to wear. A lot of, I think what we've probably inherited as church planters has been influenced by this. And we may not have even realized that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it is. It becomes the hard part becomes how do you differentiate between, to use the big word, right? Contextualizing. How do we major on the majors and be able to be different, right? Oh, Aubrey, yeah. you do this. I do this. Some people, what are the questions of our day? There's mm-hmm. any number of them, but you know, you've got some people in your, in your uh, congregation who are probably like, you know what? Uh, when I go out to dinner, I like to have a glass of wine. Right. And you've got other people possibly in your congregation who are like, 
I basically was raised to believe that to be sinful. And I, I will mm. never get to the spot yeah. of yeah. being good with that. And you start to see these. And that seems like a, a kind of a minor issue. But then you get your more major issues. Yeah. And, you know, we see Jesus modeling for us this kind of a little bit of an inclusivity that says, the beauty of church is to be a collection of Christ followers who are very different. Think about Jesus's followers, right? Mm. His earliest disciples, they were made up of groups that would have hated each other. Yeah. And so what does that mean from Jesus? You know, it's a little funny, like total side note, the actor who's playing one of the leaders of the Jesus revolution looks so much like the actor who plays Jesus in the chosen. Doesn't that feel purposeful? It has to be purposeful, right? It's supposed like we're to gonna see when the movie comes yeah. out. Not that it's supposed to look like Jesus from the chosen, right. but I, I feels like that had to be on purpose. Somebody did that on purpose, right? I think it might actually be the same actor. So believe it or not, that would make sense that they look yes. like the same yes. person. But that's very interesting casting to me. And yes. I, I'm guessing that's to draw fans of The Chosen to this movie. But as it comes out, Brian and I will talk more about it and see if there are lessons we can learn from the church today. Like Brian just said, who's in, who's out, who can we fellowship who with? Who gets to even make those who decisions? Who gets to even make those decisions? I think this is going to be a fascinating movie cannot wait to see it well coming up next we are going to talk about sticker shock and parenting we will do that when we return you're listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life one thing that we do here on the common good is swing to all fields that's a sports term that brian has taught me um where <laughs> we like we like to i say it wrong what is it bat tall fields it's all fields, Hits all yeah, fields. Yeah. You're there. You're fine. So close. I was in the I was in the <laughs> ballpark. <Yes. laughs> but, um, but one of the things that we do like to do here on the Common Good is talk about you know challenging, difficult things that the church is facing, and consider different ways we can think about hard issues. But then we also just like to chat about being parents. That's right. Brian and I not together separately. Both have three kids, so Always that would like be we need six. To make sure people know that right. We are not married. We did not raise children together, but we each have three kids, and we talk a lot about. Parenting. The other thing we talk a lot about, Brian, is uh, the cost of having <laughs> kids in this day and age. I have a conversation about that. But before we do, I don't know if you heard this. Um, do you know the uh, charity donation program at Amazon called Smile? <gasps> My wife just told me this. But yeah, go ahead, please. So we actually use this as our church. We encourage we people too. if they're shopping. We at... made like $20 on it. Total. Yeah, you don't make a lot on it. But <laughs> yes. basically, Amazon will give a portion. If you designate your charity of choice, you can choose a or could choose a mm -hmm. church on Amazon, then anytime you buy something on Amazon, a small portion would go to that organization. Amazon announced last Wednesday it plans to shut down its charity donation program, the latest example of the company's broader cost-cutting efforts. So Amazon Smile will be no longer. It'll wind down, I believe it's by February 20th. Feels like it. I have no idea as to the cost of it. Yeah. Right. What but it costs to run it. But it feels like an interesting choice to make. Well, like, listen hey, to, to this. save money, we're going to cut the. Our, our, our giving. Our giving. And here's, arm. here's yeah. the thing. The average donation, less than $230. Yeah. Yeah. It feels now, like an interesting move by Amazon. I think it's an interesting move by Amazon. I have a friend who uh, works in finance and he says, get ready. Many companies are going to start cutting their charitable donations. I mean, especially if it's if a, if something like Amazon is willing to do it, that's going to provide a lot of cover. I think it is. Don't but you think? Don't you think this is a little bit shocking? I was surprised to read it. Yeah, I really was. Yeah. I'll be curious to sort of know their justification for why that. 
Amazon does say that they'll continue to invest in areas where it can make meaningful change, assisting with natural disaster relief, affordable housing, etc. But the move to shutter Amazon Smile is from new CEO Andy Jassy. They've looked apparently at the company's expenses. They're dealing with the reality of our worsening economic outlook. And they're experiencing slowing growth. And so they had to do layoffs. And then now this next choice. So a little bit of a, a disappointing thing to hear. I'll be very curious to yeah, see Yeah, it's how, really interesting. Yeah, how and other companies it's react. It's interesting to hear your friends say that this is coming more widespread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he also, you know, really was saying to Kevin and I, like, hey, be, be paying attention to this as a charitable organization because this is coming. Mm. Uh, this is coming. All right. So speaking of money and all of us feeling the financial pinch recently, a Christian headlines, uh, they actually were pushing back on the myth that kids cost as much as we often say Mm -hmm. kids cost. Haven't you heard something like it costs like 300 grand to raise a child? Some number like that. that. Was it more than that? It was just something. It's. Yes, it's you always hear these as in like, wow, it costs so much. And and it's I'm glad to hear them push back on it, Aubrey. But you and I, as we're talking about this, it just feels to me that it's just the wrong perspective to have. Yeah. Tell me about that, because that's really what I wanted to get to, because ultimately what this conversation is talking about is do you not have children because of the cost? And here, let's just be honest. Can we just be honest? If your primary driver is to have expendable, in- expendable, expendable mm-hmm. income, having kids is a bad move. Yeah, because you won't have it. They're going to take all your money. Exactly. It's true. So we could just be honest. I, I've told people before who have asked me to, you know, for my advice about should we have kids yet? I always say to them, if you, you do need to be wise, right? There's a wisdom thing here. But if you're waiting until you can afford it to have kids, uh, you're never going to have kids. Like, it's just not going to happen. But, Aubrey, I think having kids is uh, is so much greater, at least it has been in my life, having children has been so much greater than having a great 401k mm. or having great investments mm. or having, if Carrie and I never had kids, we'd be traveling more because we'd have time and money. Yeah, we would be, definitely would. We would be doing more things that we want and I would not be as happy. Like uh, interesting, your kids uh, make you happy. Absolutely. So it's the same thing about marriage. There's a good chance that my life would be less complicated and I might have been able to save more money if I wasn't married. Right, right. So, yeah, if your major goal is to save up as much money as you can, don't get married and don't have kids. Yeah. And you know what? You're not going to be as happy. You're not your life will be it will it will be lacking even with a bigger income. So I think it's worth saying there are couples out there who choose not to have kids because they don't want to. And that is totally fair. And I don't think they're going to be less happy. Like, I think they're making a choice about their own lives and they want a certain lifestyle or can't have kids. And so let's you know, we need to be sensitive to those families. But what you're saying is families who can have kids, but wait until they have so-and-so amount of money in the bank, you'll never have kids because you'll never have enough, I think. I agree with that. Uh, Yeah, and so we we do want to be sensitive. I I don't know how else to be honest, though. I think people who can have kids and are married and choose not to are going to regret that at some point. You do. doesn't mean you can't. It's your life. Yeah. Make your call. Yeah. I think there's regret. Now, people who can't, that 
adds a whole That's nother a totally element. different conversation. But if money and if expendable income, if pleasure, if travel is your it, kids will ruin that. You need to decide what are your priorities in life. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. uh, this doesn't mean that if you're 25 years old and you've just started working, you don't sit down with your spouse and go, hey, let's work out the budget. Can we do this? Yeah, that that needs to happen. When Carrie, Carrie, when we had our first child, Carrie and I were pretty young and it split our income in half. Right. She was literally making exactly what I was. Yeah. And we decided not only is she going to stop working, but we made the decision. This is no better or worse than other people who go back to work. Or yeah. We just said at that point, she's not going to go back. Yeah. It was really, That's a really major shift hard, financially. But we didn't regret it. So I'll be it for me to tell people what to do. Yeah. Like, you do what you got to do. Yeah. Just don't judge whether or not you're going to have kids based on whether a you can afford it for the rest of your life or yeah. whether you're going to get all your financial goals yeah. whether this i that's not the value of kids kids can't be you know this isn't like well if i have kids i'm going to make more money right. or they're going right. to be a tax write off right. or right. Gonna, no they're going to cost you a lot of money yeah. but i would say it's more Ten, you know, exponentially more than worth it. What you get back is more than 100%. more than worth it. All right. Well, coming up next, it is Friday, so we get to do one of our favorite things, and that is a top five list. We have a fun one for you when we return. You're listening to the Common Good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. And it's Friday. That means we get to do one of our favorite things, and that is our top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Brian, I feel like this was inspired by you, so you should explain it to the people. Top five Tom Hanks movies. And this was inspired (laughs) if you were with us on Monday. I shared that my wife and I went mid-afternoon last weekend when our kids were out of town to go see uh, the new Tom Hanks movie, A Man Called Otto. Mm-hmm. And it was so good, Aubrey. But I, I told to you, I told you that the only person who could have played that part was Tom Hanks. That's amazing. Like you watch it and you're going, I can't put anyone else. I can't put Brad Pitt or George Clooney or Chris Evans or anybody. These amazing actors. There's something about Tom Hanks in age and gravitas and this that that he there is a Tom Hanks role, and I know he's tried to bust out of these at yeah. times, but there are certain roles that have to be played by Tom Hanks. And so I said, let's go top five Tom Hanks movies. We'll probably have a lot of the same because uh, there's only so many. But I guess I am guessing that our orders no, will be I very just, different. I, there are so many that I had a hard time narrowing it down to five. Like yep. this is a he's. Ah, all his movies are good. And our orders will be different. Okay, well, maybe our orders will be different. I'm sure they will be different. I actually think we'll have some different... I need you to go first, because I feel like I'm still struggling on my order a little bit. All right, for number five, uh, I chose Castaway. Oh, yeah, that's a great movie. That's on my my, uh, honorable mess. I love Castaway for a couple different uh, parts, because it's amazing that Tom Hanks spends most of the movie with a volleyball and that's the whole movie i know and they like you believe it but again it's you're like is he gonna get off the island he gets off but then it doesn't like wrap up in a bow like you expect him to end up with helen hunt by the way what's happened to helen hunt 
What has happened to Helen Hunt? That could, like, you know, she was, uh, what was the TV show she did with Amazon Paul Rudd? Amazon Prime recently rebooted it, Mad About You. Mad that about was a you. great show. And I tried to watch the reboot, but I couldn't get into it. Twister. You know, she was in Twister. That movie and was filmed in Oklahoma. Castaway. So, yeah. Anyway, I like Castaway okay. for my number five. Okay. I am going to go with, oh, it's so hard to choose. My number five, I'm going to go with the movie That Thing You Do, which I think mm. he actually wrote and directed as well. Sing I, the song. You Doing that thing you, you do. <laughs> I love that movie. I could watch it a million times. Liv Tyler, so amazing in it. It's such a feel-good story. Uh, that's uh, that's my number We're going to have moments where we go, oh, yeah, I, I forgot that I one. I know, I right? I did not put that one uh, on there. Okay. Number four, I'm going to go with a... Um, with a kind of more of a franchise, more of a series, and that is Toy Story. Yeah, you have to have Toy Story. I'm going to go obviously. with all of the Toy Stories yep. uh, because I can't remember which ones are which. And so he yeah. he voices Andy. So, uh, yeah, you got to love Toy Story, especially we had kids right in the Toy yeah, Story realm. Yeah, we did. Realm. So that's, that's, uh, that's nostalgic, and that's really fun. Okay. I, oh, man, I'm having a hard time narrowing these down. All right. Uh, number four for me, I am going to go with Sleepless in Seattle, an oldie but a goodie. I love those Nora Ephron rom-coms. He is in many of them. Another one will appear on my list as well, but I uh, I have to nod to Sleepless in Seattle. So I don't want to ruin your stuff later. Yeah. Sleepless in Seattle is on my honorable mention list. Okay. But I, I combined it with You've Got Mail. Oh, you combined it. Oh. It's the same movie, but with the internet. It is not the same movie. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I say that sarcastically. It's the same cast, though, for sure. It was like, oh, they fall in love, can't meet, blah, blah, blah. Now they fall in love, can't meet in a chat room. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I so can see, see that. So you see my listed as You've Got yeah. Mail okay. slash Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, could, can I do that? Can I throw in You've sure. Got Mail here? Okay. I'm going to go number four, Sleepless Seattle and You've Got Mail. That actually allows me to add some more movies. So I'm a little I'm sarcastic. It's the same movie, but it is funny that it's literally the two of them again. <laughs> so I do, I do enjoy that. Uh, number three, one of the early Tom Hanks movies. I'm going big. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. The iconic scene of him in yeah. the uh, on the big uh, yeah. uh, piano on the feet. But, you know, if anyone doesn't remember Big, he's a little boy who who uh, wishes to yes. be big. Yes. And he wakes up the next morning in his 30s. And the whole movie, uh, there's some awkward parts to the movie, but the whole movie I'm is trying him trying to get back to being a kid. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember Big, but I, I know I liked it a lot. I know I liked it yep. a lot. Okay, um... My number three, I'm going to go with uh, Saving Mr. Banks. He plays oh. Walt Disney, and he's trying to buy the rights to the Mary Poppins story from the author of Mary Poppins. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so well done. It's got Mary Poppins nostalgia, but they weave in the story of the dad, Mr. Banks, that character. And it's actually a deeply moving movie. I've never seen I, it. I love it. And plus, you see Tom Hanks as Walt Disney going to Disneyland writing a merry-go-round so it's iconic in a lot of ways i love that movie love we, that movie there's also a lot just about storytelling and the arts in that movie that's really by the way we've not too. discussed the closing was it this past weekend of splash mountain oh that's right i have a friend who actually believe it or not flew out on an overnight disney trip last monday because he wanted to be on splash mountain before it closed down forever i read of an nfl player who drove 24 hours to go ride splash mountain again I mean, or something like that it's gonna be the same ride it's just tiana themed like i don't i, I get it's you. not that 
big of a deal in my mind, but people love it. So, okay. Number two, when this movie comes on the television, if I'm changing it, this is, remember you and I were talking about top whatever list of movies (laughs) that you will stop at? Yes. I will always stop at Apollo 13. Oh, I forgot about Apollo 13. I love Apollo 13. And it still has like the drama and nerves to it, even though you know they're going to get back. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, it's, it is, or, you know, is based on a true story. Oh, my gosh. That Apollo 13. You got Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that's a good movie. What's it? Bill Paxton? Is he in there? Yes. Uh, so, Question mark? Love, love Apollo 13. And it loves to show on TBS. And when Apollo 13 is on TBS, guess what I'm watching? You're watching Apollo 13. That's right. All right. Uh, it is Bill I, Paxton, by the way. I am going to go with for number two, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, mm-hmm. where he plays uh, Mr. Rogers himself. That movie is that movie's kind of dark and hard to watch, but it is so poignant. And he is Mr. Rogers. Tom Hanks is Mr. Rogers. So that's going to show up in my honorable mention yeah. list. In fact, I'll do my honorable mention list okay. now. Uh, we uh, this was before you were on the show. OK. Uh, Mr. Rogers, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, the station was doing something with it. So I got to go see it before it came out. <gasps> cool. And uh, they did like a little question and answer, all this stuff. Yeah. It was awesome. And I sat there by myself. It was kind of not, nice. Yeah. Not alone in the theater, yeah. but by myself. Yeah. Uh, this is what I was talking about earlier. Is there any other actor you no. could go, this person could no. have pulled that off? Uh, only only Tom Hanks. You are right about the little dark parts mm-hmm. of that. Like when he starts banging on the piano, you're mm-hmm. like, what's going on yeah, right now? And, yeah. And he plays, what's that actor, actor's name? Matthew something that he, uh, Matthew Reese. What is it? Anyway, that he plays opposite of in that movie mm. is so good. Yep. Oh. yep, yep. Uh, my other honorable mentions. So I had a, a, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, I had You've Got Mail slash Sleepless in Seattle. And uh, I also chose Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. Saving Private Ryan. That's okay. Mine are Castaway. Mine are Splash. Remember Splash? Yes. We love that movie. Carol Hannah. Toy Story. Toy Story only made honorable mention. It did. It only made honorable mention for me. Uh, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which was the 9 11 movie, which was so good. And The Post. Oh, I did like that Which movie. Which was a, oh, that's a killer movie. I only made it an honorable mention because it's not one I would watch again and again and again, but I love that movie. There is no, I have, I will be shocked if we did not now choose we the definitely same, have number, the one same number one movie. definitely have the same number one. Because neither of us have mentioned it yet, and it was yeah. either, neither of our. We have to our, say it at the same time, shall we? Okay, I'm with you. Okay, three, two, don't make a joke here. I will, I, I'll say it for real. Okay, three, two, one. Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump. Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. got to be Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Forrest Gump. That's the only option. Have you gone back options. and watched Forrest Gump at I all? have. So recently, believe it or not, I was at a hotel at a speaking event, and it was like you said with Apollo 13. It was just on, and I yep. was like, well, I'll just watch it. And I was like, forgot, <gasps> forgot about that. I forgot about that. The, here's the funny thing about Forrest Gump. It's not a movie I necessarily want to watch again and again. But it's so iconic, Tom Hanks. Yeah. It's so iconic for the time that it came out that it sort of has to be your number one Tom the Hanks movie. The concept of, and when you watch it, the concept of it's like, this is goofy. This is, but it, it, it is, is really good. goofy. Like, is it a good movie looking back? I don't know. Uh, it's, do, yes, because we, we want to watch it again yeah. and again. Uh, but yes, I think Forrest Gump. Now, we didn't say things like Philadelphia. Oh, I forgot or about Philadelphia. Some others here, but uh, but I'm good 
Uh, Would you make any revisions before we're done here? Because I'm sort of rethinking. No, I feel good about mine. I'm sort of rethinking Toy Story. I feel good about mine. Okay. All right. We'll we'll move on. All right. Well, we would love to hear from you what some of your favorite Tom Hanks movies are. Let us know on our social media at Common Good Talk. Coming up next, we are going to end the show by helping Brian write a sermon. Mm -hmm. We'll do that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's the end of the show. We're headed into the weekend. And one of the things that we sometimes do on the weekend is give sermons. Yes. And that might mean uh, sermon prep last minute, or that might mean it's been something we've been thinking about pondering all mm. week. Brian, you're preaching this Sunday. I, I am. am not. Is your husband? Uh, you know, I actually don't know if he is or if somebody else is. So I'll let you know. Just bring in outside people a lot. No, we don't bring him in a lot, but we have recently just had a lot on our plate with you know, personal stuff happening. And so the past few weeks we have had guest speakers, which has been nice yesterday, Kevin, or yesterday, last weekend, Kevin did a Q and a with uh, somebody. So he was involved as the sermon. Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. It was a guy, Keith Draper, who I think we'll have on the show who uh, is part of world relief. And so we were learning about, you know, immigrants. You guys are better at that than I am. I, I I have a hard time, not just, even if I'm interviewing someone Mm -hmm. still doing a sermon. Interesting. Like it feels like the sermon needs to be present. And that's <laughs> oh, a, funny. Oh, that's funny. a me thing. Well, it's yeah. a lot of people, I think, yeah, feel that way. But sure. when it comes to us, that's a me thing. Like, I'm like, if you asked me, where's chapter and verse that tells you that's, I would be like, I don't, it's not. I am, I'm, I'm owning the fact that it's yeah, not like a commandment yeah. or something. But even if, like, we, we, we support this group called African New Life, and they were in town yeah. two months, probably back in November. And the guy that was here, I was like, hey, let's let's I'll just interview you, which by the way, as an aside, doing this radio show really helps with these it does types help of things. with interviews. That is so true. So I kind of interviewed him for 10 minutes or whatever. And then everybody cheered. He went down and then I basically wrapped it up with like a 15, 10 to 15 minute. Yeah. Like, okay. Reflecting sure, on it and sure. why we do this. But also it was a sermon. It and was, I was a like, sermon. I did think to myself. Just don't. I think if I didn't do that, I would have really. You would have felt like something missing. Something. Something. I think so. It didn't go exactly as it should have. Well, we had a full blown Q and A. There you go. And it was great. (laughs) All right. So you're preaching this weekend. Mm -hmm. Let's do a little sermon prep. Let me help you out with your homework, Brian. What are you preaching on? So this is the last Sunday. So maybe you can help me with this Sunday and then where I'm going going forward. Okay, I love that. I always start. Generally, so it hasn't been every year, but most years I start the first four weeks of the year doing our four vision missions. Yeah, that's we good. call them, you know, kind of your core values, the pillars of your church. Who do we want to be? Yeah. And I know you guys have these as well. Yep. Ours, so I just take one and I preach on one per week because I want our people to know them. If they really are your the heartbeat of who you want to be. It helps to talk about them and unpack them. Absolutely. uh, We are those four. We want to be passionate in worship. uh, And so we talk about worship and it being a lifestyle. What is worship Mm. versus singing and Mm. whatever else? Oh, that's good. Uh, Excessive in generosity. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to be generous and what does it mean to be excessively generous Mm -hmm. as a church, as a people? That's cool. Uh, We want to be, I started with, we want to be deep in community. Nice. So what does that look like in a fractured society Mm -hmm. where everyone's lonely? Mm -hmm. What does it look like and how does it come about? So I always tell our people, uh, deep community begins with shallow community. Like that's the gateway. So show up. that's great, Brian. Right? Show up. Go up to somebody and introduce yourself. 
We're not asking you to go up to that person and be like, tell me your three worst sins. No, (laughs) tell me your name. And eventually these things kind of come. That's great. Uh, And the last one that I'm doing this week is that we long to be bold in truth. Mm. And so we talk about boldly believing the truth of the gospel and boldly proclaiming the gospel. So that's this week. Nice. This one is interesting because... Uh, to say we want to be bold in truth, can, in, especially within our cultural element, can go a bunch of different ways. It could be like we're going to be bold in the sense that we see a lot of people talking in that terms. Like we're going to be belligerent. We're going to be right. Um, right. dogmatic. Right. We're going to be and there's dogmatic. You know, there's a good side to that, but there's that's not. And so that'll be part of what I talk about this week. Like nice. to be bold in truth is not a license to be a jerk. Ooh, that's It's good. to say. We want to boldly believe this. Yeah. How much do do we really believe this? Yeah. We want to boldly believe it, and yeah. if we boldly believe it, we're going to boldly proclaim it. So that's, and that's you, this Sunday. Do you do you teach from a text when you do something like that, or several, or how do you how do you tend to go about a sermon like that? Yes. So, say excessive in generosity. Mm-hmm. I ended up talking about the Zacchaeus story. Nice. Uh, that he's a wee little man. <laughs> and a wee little man was so, he. Zacchaeus is the worst of the worst. He's, yeah. He admits to how much money he stole. Like he's just yeah. the worst. And then by the end of the story, he's giving away four times the amount he stole. Well, what changed in the story? He met Jesus. Yeah. So how do we become deeply, excessively generous? It's not. It, generosity is a fruit of a growing relationship mm. with Jesus. It's yeah. not yeah. something that we fake or that's we good. go. Now, sometimes you got to fake it to make yep. it. But yep. um, but that's that. So. Bold in truth. So what would be the wrong way to take it? If you were sitting, if you were visiting my church and you yeah. were like, all right, they long to be bold in truth. Right. What would I say that would make you go, oh, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I mean, want that kind of church. or I, I believe that. I think any anything that's like culture worry, I just don't, mm-hmm. I can't get behind. Like us versus them are like, we're going to get in the face of Bubba and argue. And, you know, I, I would tend to think bold in truth with first Peter in mind about your conversation being seasoned with salt or mm-hmm. like, you know, Paul teaching at Mars Hill where he's using the cultural prophets of the day to make a connection and build that bridge with the, his community. Like that's what I want to hear about preaching truth as we do it in a way that's winsome. That's, that's where right. we use here at the common good makes meaningful connections with culture and isn't us versus them, which I'm guessing that's kind of where you would go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that is absolutely where we're going. It is. uh, And I think a lot of people hear bold in truth or just truth. And they think that that's what you mean. And so it will take some time to unpack that. Like, nope, that's not what we're looking at here. We uh, long to be. um, to the, The phrasing will be, we want to believe this. And we want to proclaim it Mm. and in a winsome way, right? Like there is a winsomeness to it uh, that then hopefully is attractive. Good. And then so what does your series move into the following Sunday? Are you that far ahead yet? (laughs) Am I a week out? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I am talking about, and this one might ruffle some feathers. We might go down that road. I want to talk about um, the idols of our day. So calling it something like 20, 21st century idols, right? Like we all are always like, oh, I would never have idols in my life. Like I would never. Right. Okay. 
But we've got, you know, the idol of comfort or the idol of certainty or the idol of, you know, name it, whatever else it might be. So that's what we're going to do. Oh, wow. What are you guys preaching on right now? Uh, We are actually, believe it or not, in a series in Revelation, which is a little wild and crazy, except that's the point. People think Revelation is wild and crazy. But if you remember, like, here are people suffering for their faith. Here is a word for them that Jesus will overcome. And that the words for the church then were for real churches in real settings Mm -hmm. that we can uh, make bridges to now. It doesn't have to be as crazy as people make it. Now, Revelation is apocalyptic literature, and therefore it's got images. (laughs) It's got things that other literature doesn't have. But again, just knowing, oh, wait, apocalyptic apocalyptic literature is a style of literature that is often used in other places in scripture as well. That'll give us some handhold to grapple with the text so it's not so overwhelming. So you guys for are people. needing to do some teaching around how to read Revelation. How not do you, what does it say? Yeah, but, we're gonna do both and how yeah. do you read it? How do you approach it? What does it say to the church then? What does that mean for the church today? And the beautiful picture is the way that Revelation begins, which is Jesus on the throne. Mm. And so I think that we can, you know, with everything going on in our world, we can remember that he is on the throne. And I think we, we'd like to demystify Revelation yeah. to not make it so inaccessible as people have tended to. That's so anyway, great. I know that's really fun. Go, right? You guys are going to solve Revelation. Solve I appreciate Revelation that. Revelation for everybody. No <laughs> worries. Church history. We got it taken care of. Well, Brian and I will be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.